We are designed to carry the wealth of the world, uh, and we are designed to move in abundance. And I'm putting out this uh, stream today, uh, actually this video. We're trying to live stream, but man, the internet here, I don't know what they've been doing. It has not been working right, but uh, we're going to record it and get it out there anyway. But uh, are you, have you been tired of lack? in your life and you need abundance? Or have you gotten to the place where you're fed up with lack? And listen, I'm not talking about uh, just that you have lack and you can't pay your bills. I'm talking about you know that there's more out there and you hadn't been walking in everything your heart's been telling you to walk in. It's time for us as believers in Christ to walk in the fullness. Why? Because he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, he tells us this. He says, then I want you to have an abundance for every good work. There, are, there is good work that needs to be done and you have to have an abundance. But I'm telling you that the word also says this in 1 John 5, 4. It says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith, even our faith. So the, the world that it's talking about is the system of lack, the system outside of God's ways. It's talking about lack in any way, but you don't just overcome lack by just saying, well, God, if you want to bless me, you will. No, it's our faith. It's our trust in his promise. It's our trust in what he said and what he's done. And uh, that's how we move from lack to abundance. So if you're tired of that, or you know somebody who's tired of that, watch the rest of this video today. Also, share it. Share it with everybody. Share this video so people can see it. You know somebody that needs to walk in abundance and stop walking in lack. And so go get your Bible. Get ready. I'm going to go over three steps uh, moving from lack to abundance. If you're tired of lack and want to move into the abundance, then it's time to do it. God is calling up a people who will move in abundance. Now, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about abundance of finances, abundance of health, abundance of spiritual condition. I'm talking about abundance of joy, hope, faith, love, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about abundance of fruit, winning souls, making disciples, abundance in every area of life. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes steal, kill, and destroy, or in other words, thief comes to bring you into lack. And I'm looking for people that will say, I am not going to be somebody the devil can steal from. I'm going to be somebody that God can bless and I'll walk in it and I will not go back. And uh, so share this right now. We're going to jump into it and uh, let you know we're getting ready to get up a website called whatsright.com. Uh, what's right, W-R-I-G-H-T, uh, not just R-I-G-H-T. What's right, like Brian and Nicole Wright, whatsright.com. We're going to be putting out some podcasts. I'm getting ready to do some podcasts on how to be led by the Spirit of God. How can we move into obedience if we haven't heard from Him, if we don't know how to hear from Him? So look for those podcasts coming soon and uh, whatsright.com. All right, grab your Bible. Glory to God. Let's turn first uh, to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. Let's look at this and you know this is not really convincing you that you need abundance although it may help to convince you uh, but you need to have seen that in the word already and I'm going to show you a couple of scriptures just to point you there. Number one, Psalms 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, I shall not want. 
shall not walk. <laughs> and then uh, in the Amplified, it says this. I like this. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my shepherd to feed, to feed me, to guide me, to shield me. To feed me, to guide me, to shield me. Now, if he's our shepherd and he's going to shield me, who's going to shield me better than the Lord? If he's going to shield me, is it going to fail? No, I'm going to be shielded from every piece of lack in my life. Number two, if he's going to guide me, is he going to guide me and fail in his guidance? No, he's going to lead me to the best places, the greenest pastures. That's who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. He is going to feed me. Is he going to feed me just a little bit or just enough to get by? No, to give you life in abundance, in abundance, John 10, 10. He says, the Lord is my shepherd to feed God and shield me. I shall not lack. I shall not lack. Uh, this is where we're supposed to be operating, operating outside of the lack. Understand that before the garden and the curse in the garden, there was zero lack. Zero lack. you got to get that in your spirit. Lack is not the nature and the will and the character of God for me. You've got to get that in your spirit. Lack is a part of the curse. And in Galatians 3.13, I'm redeemed from the curse. All right, now let's go to one more scripture, 2 Corinthians 9.8, one of my favorites. 2 Corinthians 9.8. Do to do, Second Corinthians nine, and verse eight, and it says this. I love this verse. There's so many absolutes about the goodness of God in here, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an say it with me an abundance. For every good deed. The King James says an abundance for every good work. God is able not just to make some grace, but all grace, not just come to you, but abound to you so that you will not sometimes, but always have not just some sufficiency, but all sufficiency, not just in some things, but in everything so that you may not just get by, but have an abundance for every good work and every good deed. This is the plan of God. He wants to move you into abundance. He wants to move me into abundance. So we're not supposed to be in lack. If you're tired of lack, it's because you weren't created to be in it. It never was supposed to be that way. Adam and Eve messed it up. Uh, we would have done the same thing. But God said, hey, that's never been my will for you. It's not my will. When you see my will done perfectly before the curse in the garden, when you see my will done in heaven, you don't see any lack there in either place. Place. The only place you see lack is once the curse has come in and through Christ we are redeemed from the curse. Are you redeemed? Do you know him? Then lack is not your part. Lack is not your part. Somebody tag that. Hashtag lack is not my part. Lack is not my part. And uh, this is something that we've got to get inside of us. Our part is abundance. Hashtag our part is abundance. <laughs> Glory to God. Through Christ our part is abundance. So let's look quickly at three steps. Uh, step one is be content. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Some great, great things. Be content. 
Now, uh, this is going to be interesting because it seems like it's contradictory, but it's not. Uh, you have to understand uh, what the Lord is talking about here. So he says, but godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. Godliness, so when we walk in godliness, he says it actually is a means of great gain. Not just gain, but great gain when godliness is accompanied by contentment. Okay, well, what does contentment mean? Skip down to verse 8. It says, if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. With these, we shall be content. So godliness and contentment, when they partner together, God makes you a promise. You will have great gain. Well, that's talking about spiritual gain, brother. No, it's not. That's why it's talking about food and covering. Actually, everything in the context of this chapter is physical things. But you can see that godliness and contentment actually will open up abundance and it will bring great gain in every area of your life. Why is it that we fall to the negative side. It's because of the corruption of our flesh. Why is it that we want to believe in the negative side of every promise instead of believing in the good side of every promise? Isn't God a good God? Doesn't every good and perfect gift come from Him? It doesn't say every bad gift comes from Him. Everything we don't like comes from Him. It does say that His discipline will challenge us, but it doesn't challenge the spirit, man. It challenges our flesh, the corrupted flesh, the negative nature of the devil. It challenges that. That's the thing that it challenges. So when we when we see a promise in the word, we've got to stop being the people that fall to the negative side of that. That's not what our spirit man is seeing. Our spirit man sees the promises and the character and nature of God. We've got to fall to the glory side of it, the blessing side of it. We've got to fall to God's promise and his good nature. This is what he's asking us to be. Remember, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is a rewarder. That's fallen to the blessing side of it, not the negative side. But you see, because of sin consciousness, what happens is we constantly remember, well, I'm just not a good person. And sin consciousness reminds us of our flesh. But Romans 8 says that the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Well, here's the thing. The Holy Ghost wrote this. I am giving you, I will give you great gain if you will put godliness together with contentment. And so what is this contentment we're talking about? He says with food and covering. Literally, that means if I have food to eat, and if I have a covering over my head, uh, it, some people would say that that's a house or a, a covering from the uh, from storms and a covering from the weather. Some people would say that covering is clothing. Either way, if I have food and covering, clothes and a roof over my head and food to put in my mouth, then I should be content. Well, if I'm if I should be, you would ask, if I should be content with those things, then why should I believe for more? Because he tells us a, a lack of faith 
it's a sin to God in Romans. And it says it's impossible to please God without faith. But you also see in the parable of the talents, the one guy takes his talents and he increases. Increase is God. Increase is God. And he says, look, the one who didn't increase, he says, wicked servant. The one who did increase, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. All right. So he's telling us in spiritual things, we should never be content to stay still, but to increase, we must follow the example of Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says, and Jesus continued to increase in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So stature is maturity. So the, the example that Jesus gave us was to constantly increase in spiritual things. Over in Acts, you see Paul continued to increase. So you see this, and in uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12, it says, follow those or imitate those who through faith and patience, inherit the promises of God. So one of the things that we should do is say, all right, I see Jesus. He followed God. He saw the things of God. Paul followed God, saw the things of God. I need to follow them. Well, what's the thing that they did? They continued to increase. In other words, what he's saying is this, that we should be content with what we have now, but we should not be content to stay still. In other words, we should be content. If I find myself, let's say that I go on a missions trip, Paul said it like this. He said, Paul said, I have learned how to be uh, be good whether I be are abased or abound. In other words, I trust God no matter what condition I find myself. In other words, he's saying, I will be content if I find myself with much or find myself with little. He said, and here's why you can be content. Because you know that God is your source. He's your shepherd who will feed you. He will guide you. And it won't be long before he will turn the tide. You know, he was on that boat in Acts chapter 27. Paul's on the boat. Man, they are a base. There's no food around anymore because they didn't listen to Paul. And now all of a sudden, you go one chapter. He goes from being... And, uh, starving on a boat in the middle of this hurricane, shipwreck, the ship completely breaks apart, gets off of there, uh, a viper bites him that should have killed him. Man, he was abased. In just a few verses, he moves from there to being set up and giving gifts and basically giving the run of the whole island. In other words, while he learned to be content, I may be seeing this right now, but I will not see this for long. I'm content because I know who my God is and he will not leave me here long. And all of a sudden, it turns. you turn the page and there is the abounding. In other words, we've got to learn how to be content. I see a lot of believers that uh, they are they would say that they were humble because they have a car that's all beat up and, and Lord, I just give it to you and my treasure's in heaven, bumper sticker. But here's the problem with that. That's not the promise of God. That's not faith in what God said. In other words, you become content to not have faith for the overwhelming provision that God said. That's not being content according to the full counsel of the word. Being content according to the full counsel of the word is that every step gets brighter and brighter. In other words, I should constantly be increasing. Increase 
is God's plan. In other words, we if I find myself one day, let's say that I go on a mission trip and uh, I find myself in a place and I, I there's no restaurants around, you know, I've got money back here in the states, but if I find myself I I know I've got to put faith in God on that place or else I'll stay there. I but at the same time, I'm not going to lose my faith. Here's what content is. I'm not going to lose my faith because all of a sudden I didn't have something to eat at that one meal. I'm going to say, okay, the devil's trying to, he's trying to come against me. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I will increase from this point forward, but I'm content right now. I'm not going to let lack turn my head of praise away from God. I will turn to God and I will praise him and hit my knees in the middle of a lack and trust me, it won't be long before increase starts to come in. This is what he's saying. He's saying be content and put on godliness. How can you be godly? How can you be content and godly without faith to increase? It's not possible. In other words, he says, look, be content. Don't lose faith. Don't lose your praise. Don't lose your worship. Don't lose that. Be content no matter what situation you find yourself, but put on godliness, which means put on faith for increase. Put on, Be content with the physical situation that you may find yourself in at the moment, but don't be content to stay there if that place is lack. This is a great thing because when you, compare, when you uh, put the two together, contentment and godliness, God said he made you this promise. It is great gain. I see many people, once they start to learn some things about faith, uh, they find themselves in a situation and they just start beating themselves up. They lose their praise in their mouth. They are not content. And that's why they won't move to great gain for a while until they find that place. You know what? I may be in this situation right now, but I am content in you, Lord. You are bringing me out of this. I know you're bringing me out of this. Now there's faith. Now there's godliness and contentment and a right, a godly contentment, a biblical contentment, not a worldly contentment. In other words, if I find myself in a situation, I may go somewhere, find myself in a situation, and it's not what I was expecting. I'm not going to lose my praise. I'm not going to lose my faith. I'm not going to lose the fruit of the Spirit. I'm not going to lose love. If I'm content, I'm going to have my joy. I'm going to have expectation. I'm going to have hope even in the middle of a physical lack, but I'm going to move to other places. So this is what contentment is. I think people get that uh, misunderstood many, many, many times. I'm not going to lose my hope, joy, love, and peace, and fruit of the Spirit in the middle of a lack situation. I'm going to start praising God. And uh, we had a situation not too long ago where uh, we were out. Listen, we got an enemy, and uh, we were out at a meeting, and uh, we were with uh, some good friends with Ted and Carolyn, and we were with uh, uh, Zach and Heather, and uh, we come back from a meeting. Man, the Lord has moved the Word of God. I had a fresh word from the Holy Ghost. And we come home, and the house that we were staying in had been robbed. Well, here's the thing. If I'm not content, I'm going to get mad. I'm going to get mad, mad, mad. Now, I, in other words, I'm going to get mad in a, in a wrong sort of way. Well, if I'm mad, then I've got no faith in God to restore it. 
You know, we've got an enemy that's trying stuff constantly. But listen, he was after it more than our stuff. He was after that word that I'd gotten. And I and I was like, mm-mm, I'm not giving up that word. I stay, we stay in joy. I'm not getting angry. I know that what he tried, God's going to reverse on him. He's got to repay seven times. I'm not getting mad. Now, I might get a, kind of a righteous indignation. Oh, no, devil, you ain't doing this to me. But I'm not going to be mad during it. I'm going to be in the fullness of joy and hope. Oh, it's going to be awesome. Watch how God turns this thing around. Sure enough, he's turned it all around. But we were sitting there singing songs, cracking jokes, and making pancakes in the middle of the night while the police officer was there. And the the police officer was like, I don't even know what to think about y'all. Why? Because we were content even in the midst of a lack situation. We were content. Well, guess what? It was a matter of just a few minutes before provision started showing up. We started getting text messages. Hey, we're going to replace this. We're we're getting this for you. God had it all figured out. God had it all figured out. He knew how to get those things to us. It was just a matter of minutes before provision started rolling back in. Why? Because we were not discontent in that situation. We were content. We kept our joy, our hope, our faith. This is what contentment is. And if I'll be godly and I'll be content no matter what situation I find myself in, God makes me this promise and he makes you this problem promise i will bring you great gain great gain and he's literally talking about physical gain in that it's an awesome thing so step one is be content be content don't lose your joy when lack comes when an attack comes don't lose your joy don't lose your hope don't lose your faith don't lose your expectation or your confidence in god I'm convinced this is what saw Job through. Because if you look at Job chapter 1, all this horrible stuff happened. And at the bottom of the chapter, one of the last verses, it says he hits his knees and worships God. Do you think he felt like worshiping God in his feelings? No. His feelings did not, his flesh did not feel like worshiping God. But he knew who his source was. And even in that horrible scenario, he was content with God. He said, look, I got food, I got covering. And see, some people say, well, I don't have any money for food. Well, look, you don't look like a stick figure either. You know, a lot of people, if you, if you're, you still got some, you know, uh, body fat percentage on you, you've had plenty of food, right? <laughs> I was talking to uh, Joshua Colson today, a friend of mine asking him, I was like, man, I got to get this Got to get this body fat down. I'm not going to tell you what the percentage was because I don't like it. Anyway, and he said, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good to get that down. Listen, I got that because I've had plenty of food, right? You've had plenty of food. There's a lot of people. What people complain about is that they don't have the food that they want. They get in discontentment because they're not keeping up with the Joneses. And now all of a sudden, God can't bring them great gain. Listen, I don't know anybody in America that doesn't have food and covering. They've got clothes. They've got a roof over their head. And even even there's a lot of homeless people that they have a roof in the city where there's a ministry and things like that. They should be praising God that there's a roof, that they're not outside. And I've met some people that have been outside. and you know, But that's a few and far between. But if you find yourself even there, you start praising God and God will draw you up out of that place. If you find yourself where you don't even have any food for days, 
start praising God. Lord, you are not leaving me in this situation. I don't know necessarily how I got here. I don't know how long I've been here, but Lord, I know you won't leave me here. And you get content with the things of God and you start doing what he tells you to do. God will draw you up out of that situation so fast. It'll make your head spin. I've seen it in church so many times. In a number of weeks, a person can go from completely having nothing to having a job, a place to stay, a vehicle in weeks. It does not take long when you do it God's way. That's the strength of this promise. If you will put on godliness and contentment, it's a means of great gain. So step one, be content. Step two, think big. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13, my goodness, time is flying. Genesis 13 is Abraham, and it says, verse 2, Genesis 13, 2. Now, Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. He was very rich. And uh, Lot was also blessed, highly blessed, because he was around Abram. And uh, they got to the place where they didn't have room for both of them. They needed to split up. So Abram uh, tells Lot, you choose whatever uh, place you want to go and I'll take the other. So Lot chooses the best one and goes. And then God says this to Abram, verse 14, uh, Genesis 13, 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are northward and southward, eastward and westward. For all the land which you see, I will give it to you, you and your, to your descendants forever. I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth so that anyone can number the, the dust of the earth then their descendants can also, your descendants can also be numbered. Arise, walk about the land through its length and breadth, for I will give it to you. Now he said, whatever he can see, he will give it to you. And then he gives him a command, walk throughout the land, set your eyes on it, see what all I can give to you. Because when you can see it, I'll give it to you. When you can see it, I'll give it to you. The Lord's been saying this to me so much. Brian, you got to think bigger. You got to think bigger. You've got to think bigger. You, you've got to understand how big I am. This is what the Lord's been impressing in my spirit. You've got to understand how big I am and you've got to stop limiting me because of what the world has taught you. You've got to think bigger. See, we can't move in abundance until we start to think bigger because abundance by God's definition and abundance according to our definition that has been is not the same. We've In order to move into the things of God, we've got to see things like God sees them. I remember um, with uh, Creflo Dollar a couple years ago, he started talking about a jet and buying a jet that was $65 million jet. Now, and oh my goodness, the media and the church about had a fit. Well, let's forget about the world for a second and the media. Let's just talk about the church and their attitude and their opinion of the whole situation. Well, I, it bothered me so bad. Like, it's not the jet. Forget the jet for a second. Let's just look at this. In the world, the world's wealth, if you calculated how much wealth 
the earth contained, right? The earth contained, if I remember correctly, it's something like four quadrillion dollars. Four quadrillion dollars in the earth. In the earth alone, four quadrillion dollars worth of wealth is what's been estimated. Well, if you take that 65 million and you compare it to the wealth that's in the earth, it is minuscule. Hardly, you can't even hardly measure it against the uh, earth's wealth. You can barely even see it. If the wealth was this much, uh, the wealth of the earth was this much, it's barely even a dot in that wealth. It's so hard to even see because the wealth of the earth is so vast, 65 million is hardly anything. And so here he is, believing God for big things, thinking for big things, and you start to see uh, men say, no, you can't have that. That's wrong. That's wrong. Well, here's the thing. You, what I saw was that people aren't thinking big enough. It's, they have a choke point with God. Look at this. When you start to see this, if the earth is worth four quadrillion dollars, well, I don't know if you've ever seen um, how many earths can fit into the sun or into Jupiter. But Jupiter, if I remember correctly, Jupiter is like a million times bigger than the Earth. How much is Jupiter's wealth worth? How much is the rest of the solar system? At the very least, we're looking at, you know, a hundred thousand times what the Earth is worth. Well, our solar system is one star in the Milky Way galaxy. And in the Milky Way galaxy, our scientists have discovered there's over a billion stars. So imagine a billion solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy. Every one, a billion. So you've got our solar systems maybe a hundred times the wealth of the Earth. All of the, all of the solar systems in the Milky Way galaxy is a billion times that. So four quadrillion times a hundred thousand at a minimum times a billion solar systems. How much wealth is in the solar system? But that's not all. It says that the solar system, the Milky Way, or excuse me, the Milky Way galaxy is one, uh, there's over a billion galaxies. So our four quadrillion, just say four quadrillion times a billion solar system times a billion galaxies. And that's not all that God owns. That's just what we can see. How big is our God? We've got to think bigger. How big is our God? And people are complaining about a, a dot in the wealth of the earth, a dot you can barely see at 65 million. Yes, it would make a big difference to a lot of people, but the reason it would make a big difference is because they are not thinking big enough. They're not putting uh, their mind on the levels of God. They're not even stretching up to that. All they're doing is they're just seeing what they can see. But God said this, lift up your eyes. In other words, Abram, stretch your eyes to see what I'll show you. 
Well, this is just simple science that I explain. Are we stretching our eyes even to see that wealth? What made me so mad about that whole situation is the church showed their ignorance about the bigness of God. They, they showed their choke point. They couldn't even get past $65 million. My goodness, if my God is not bigger than $65 million, then what kind of God are we serving? You've got billionaires worth more than that. In other words, if our God can't do that, then I might as well go serve the billionaire. I might as well go serve somebody who has more than him. But he is bigger. We have a great big God. And we have by faith a responsibility to stretch our eyes to see the, the giant vastness that our God has. How are we going to move into godly abundance? If we don't stretch our eyes and think bigger, see bigger, see bigger. Listen to these words in verse 14. Lift up your eyes and look. I'm challenging you today. Step two, lift up your eyes. See how big God is. See what he has available to him. And guess what? Guess what? Guess what? <laughs> Even if it's not created yet, he can create it. Man, he could create whatever he wants. Lift up your eyes and see how big God is. Lift up your eyes. He said, for all the land or all the stuff that you see, I will give it to you. A lot of times we're not walking in abundance because we haven't stretched our eyes of faith to see the things of God. We've limited God. We've, we've got a choke point on how big we think God is. And then we fuss at him because we don't have enough. We fuss at him because we have lack. Look, it's our job to think bigger, stretch our eyes of faith and see. He says, walk about it. In other words, take action. You need to walk about the things of God. You can do that by reading the word. Read in here how big it is. How many times was he limited by these? We've got to stretch our eyes. Uh, Bill Winston said in that, 15 billionaires, right? 15 billionaires. I know some people are like, I, I don't know what to think about that. 15 billion, I don't even know what to think about that. That's a lot. 50, bill, billion? Billionaire? See, we've got these choke points that the world has taught us because the corruption of lack, the curse of lack has come into our thinking. We've got to stretch our eyes and see who God is, see how big he is, and we need to get on board his thinking, not try to draw God down to our thinking. See, when Creflo was having that problem, people were having a fit about the 65 million. They're trying to draw God down to our puny thinking instead of lifting up their eyes to where he is. God is so big. Look, he made streets out of gold. It's nothing to him. He's so big. He doesn't even think about gold like we think. <laughs> He's so big. And listen, have I walked in that all my life? No, I haven't. But I can tell you right now, as far as I've come in that, and things are much better than they've ever been before, they're not stopping here. Because although I'm content with where I'm at now, I am not content to sit here. I'm putting contentment biblically and godliness biblically, and I'm stretching my eyes because I must believe. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And I must believe that he is, that he is as big as he is, that he's a good God, and I must believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek after him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. I've got to think bigger. I've got to stretch my eyes of faith. And as you do that, all of a sudden, you'll start to see that abundance, he's had it in your plan the whole time. All right, step three, and this is something I just love. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
I want to give this to you quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We read one verse out of this earlier, but let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. I want you to see something. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, you'll find in the word that finances are a great way to explain the mechanics of the kingdom of God. Money is a great way to explain the mechanics of the kingdom of God. Uh, now, a lot of people though, the Lord put it this way in his word. He said, he said that finances, he said, if you won't be faithful in this little thing. In other words, he called finances a little thing. Kind of like Christianity 101. But yet, how many people do you know, as soon as somebody starts preaching or talking about money, people turn off. In other words, they hadn't even passed 101. How can they understand the greater things of the kingdom? How can they move into uh, out of ignorance of kingdom ways in, if they haven't even gotten kingdom 101, money? If they haven't gotten that. So money, and this is how Jesus uses this. In this passage, he's talking about money. But here's what I want you to see. This doesn't just apply to money. It applies to every area of our life. I'm going to give you an example of how it applied to me in prayer and fasting, but let's read it, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for this message. This I know I can sense your anointing on it. It's going to set some captives free. It's going to break the bondage of lack in their lives. It's going to move them to abundance, and they'll have abundance for every good work. Glory to God. He says this, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. All right. So he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So uh, what he's saying is this. If I, if I don't give a lot, I will not receive a lot. But if I will give a lot, I will receive a lot. And what he says is this also. He says, but I need to give cheerfully. If I don't give uh, cheerfully, oh, well, that, that's coming up in the next one. But I've got to make sure that I'm not just sowing bountifully is also sowing into the kingdom, sowing into the word. So some of you have heard me, uh, heard me say that if you're giving tithes and offerings, but it's not going to advance the kingdom or the gospel, that's not a tithe. That's not an offering. That's not sowing. Right here, when you look at this word bountifully, it says, uh, it literally means to sow towards the word eulogy, which means good words. In other words, this is the gospel. In other words, if I don't sow towards the gospel, my tithes and my offerings, that's not actually a tithe and an offering to God. So I can sow to a charity that does good things for people. But if it's not actively uh, advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ, if it's not actively telling people about Jesus, it's not sowing. And so then I am disqualified from kingdom finances or I'm disqualified from kingdom uh, dynamics, kingdom working, spiritual workings, because I'm not sowing into kingdom things. So when I sow a seed, uh, a tithe should go to the storehouse, but when I sow a seed, it's got to be into the gospel. It's got to be winning souls and making disciples for Jesus. It can't just be a charity that's doing good stuff, but they never talk about Jesus. In other words, if I want to get into abundance, one of the things I've got to recognize is 
that I sow into a ministry that promotes Jesus and promotes him to a fullness of the gospel. In other words, they got to be seeing some fruit. They should be seeing people saved, filled, healed, delivered. You, they ought to be seeing the better, the better fruit that they're seeing, the better ground it is to sow into. So, if you're sowing bountifully, you're sowing into the kingdom of God and into the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, so he says, but if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll sow bountifully. Verse 7, each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Now what's important right here is as you purpose in your heart. The tithe is not something that I get to choose and purpose where it will go uh, or how it will go or how much it is. Uh, if it's saying so sparingly, aren't I choosing how much or how little? So these passages here are not talking about the tithe, and you'll find that they are leading the, to the place of abundance. So the tithe is not what it's discussing here. He's talking about the offering. So, And listen, you don't get into the offering until you've tithed. If you haven't, if you haven't given 10% of your increase, you haven't tithed. But once you've given 10% of your increase, if I give 11% of my increase, then I tithe the 10% and I have a 1% offering, okay? Just to give you some numbers to show you. But what we're talking about here is as you purpose in your heart, little, big, I want to, I don't want to, that is talking about the offering over and above the tithe. A lot of people don't understand that. They think that tithes and offerings are the same and anything they give is a tithe or an offering. It's not. The tithe is specifically 10% of your increase. Uh, but if you want to get into abundance, these are the scriptures to get you there. And this abundance is talking about the offering, not the tithe. So you've got to be a tither first before you get over to this place. And then you give in a, uh, out of the abundance of your heart and as cheerful. Uh, and then you will move over into the abundance of your finances and, and everything else that God wants to bless you with. Remember uh, Third John 2, beloved, above all things. I wish that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Uh, so God wants to bless you in every area of your life, John 10, 10, that you might have life to the full till it overflows, the Amplified says. So he says, each one must do as he purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So in other words, if we're going to give, one, we need to give a lot, but give happy. If we're going to move into a lot and a big abundance, we give a lot and we give it happily. We give it cheerfully. We've got to work on our heart. Now listen, I can tell you when we first started giving, when Nicole and I first started giving, we weren't real cheerful about it. Why? Because we didn't have very much and, and uh, we didn't give a lot because we didn't have a lot. But what happened was as we started to hear the word and the promises of God, we started changing our heart. And then all of a sudden we 
wanted to give and we were excited to give. Matter of fact, today uh, we will literally be in so much joy. Uh, we will we will give with so much joy. The other day we were able to give a great big, one of the greatest seeds that we've ever given and uh, we were able to sow it into ministry and we were both sitting there just in tears of joy. It wasn't tears of grief. It was tears of joy how God has provided an abundance in our lives. And we are so thrilled. It is truly more blessed to give than receive. Now notice it doesn't say it's not blessed to receive. It just says it's more blessed to give. And we were so blessed to give. That's, that is a, more of a pleasure. We're more excited about harvest coming in because of what we get to give with it now. That is a truth. That's a, we weren't there at the beginning, but today we are. We love to give. It is so awesome to give. It's such a blessing. And uh, when you get to that place, all of a sudden God says, I'll put seed in your hand. Verse 8, uh, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So there you see the connection to what we purpose in our heart to give and what we give is connected to abundance. Verse 10, he says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, I'll go on, and let, let me just read 11 and 12 too. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality. In other words, God's not just going to give you a little bit in one area. No, he says you will be enriched, enriched in everything. Well, what kind of abundance? Is he talking about abundance in our finance? No, he's talking about abundance in everything everything. And then he says, for all liberality. This is not just, uh, in other words, he's not just going to give enough for one time. He's going to be liberal with it. He's going to just be overflowing you, which is through us producing thanksgiving to God. In other words, it's going to be so much that we will constantly be thanking God. Uh, Nicole and I find ourselves today thanking God more and more and more and more because these promises from God to us have come true when we've applied them in our lives. Verse 12, for the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints. So see, when we operate in this kingdom principle, the needs of the saints are fully supplied, but it is overflowing. It's not just meeting the need. It's overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. In other words, as we put on thanksgiving in the middle of this, it overflows in our life. God brings us thanksgiving. We put on thanksgiving as we give. And there's this kingdom principle where, where he takes this little, little bit of back and forth between him and that thing just keeps growing and all of a sudden you're just flowing in abundance. There's just so much going and the world can't contain it. This is why it's so uh, anti-God to not believe God for big things. This is why, because God's looking to get these big things to us and we're sitting here uh, in sin consciousness deciding, making a decision that what God said isn't true. No, he's a big God and he wants to do great big things for his people and he wants to do it for you and he will. This is what I want to focus on, verse 10. Look at the last part of verse 10. It says, when you do these things, he will, you will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, the harvest is the manifestation. The harvest is how 
the things of God, the spiritual things, come into our physical life. If we're in Jesus, we are all made righteous in 2 Corinthians 5.21. But just because we're in Jesus doesn't mean that we walk in the same harvest. It doesn't mean that we walk in the same manifestation. This is why you can have one Christian very much born again, but in complete lack. And you can have another uh, Christian, same level of being born again, same level of righteousness, but they're overflowing in abundance. Why? Because one of them is applying kingdom principles in their life and they have increased the harvest of their righteousness. In other words, listen, there's something in their righteousness that God's already given them that if they'll use it, they'll move to abundance. If they'll use it, they'll move to abundance. But if they don't use it, they'll stay at the same level or even go backwards. But if they'll use it, they'll move to abundance. In your righteousness, in your righteousness is everything you need. He, Jesus said this, all things that I have are yours. And, and the father, he said this about the Father. All the things the Father has is mine. Jesus has told us that everything I have is yours. You are in me and I am in you. You are in the vine. And it, you have everything you need. All provision. In other words, what are we lacking? What are we missing in our righteousness? Nothing. He's given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's made us partakers of the divine nature. You are not missing anything. Ephesians 1.3, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. In other words, we have everything we need. We just have to learn how to bring it into now, bring it into today. Well, that's what I want to show you as the last point is just because you're righteous, just because you're born again, doesn't mean you walk in an increased harvest. Some will, some won't based on what they do. What is the Bible teaching us is the principle, are the mechanics of moving into the abundance, moving into the increased harvest of their righteousness. He says it right before that. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So this principle here is this. When you purpose your heart, step three, step one, be content. Step two, think big. Step three, purpose in your heart to sow. When you purpose in your heart, to be a giver. Now, we're talking here about finances, but I'm talking about a giver in any way. In other words, I can be a giver of my prayer. I can be a giver of fasting. When I purpose in my heart to be a giver, this is a supernatural kingdom principle. God, when he sees my heart truly change and pur be purposed to be a sower, of the things that I have control over, God will then give me seed. And now I can utilize that seed that he gave me freely. Would, this is a great thing to understand. Would I have seed if I didn't purpose in my heart? No. So as I purpose in my heart, he gives me something I did not have before. It doesn't cost you anything. A lot of people are like, well, I, I don't want to give 10,000 because I don't have 10,000. I don't want to say that I'll, I don't want to say that I'll give 50,000 to the church for the new building because I don't have 50,000. That you're looking at the wrong source. 
The source of your seed is not what you have now. The source of your seed is everything that's been given you in your righteousness. So all I have to do to get my hands on supernatural seed is to purpose in my heart. And when I purpose in my heart to be a giver, when I purpose in my heart, I may not have 50,000 right now, but Lord, I will give you 50,000 into your ministry to help pay off that building, to help win souls and make disciples. I will give it, Lord, when you give it, give me the seed. When you get that settled in your heart by faith, hope, and love, God will start getting that seed to you. Now make sure when that seed comes in, you do with it what you said. That would be messed up. If you, you'll, you'll find yourself in a bad place if you don't do that. You want to do what you told God you do. And so once he starts getting seed, you give that. And now, listen, that's not just gone. It is sown. My seed is not just gone. It's sown. Somebody needs to type that out. <laughs> My seed is not just gone, it is sown. In other words, there will be a harvest. And God says, not only will I do that, I'll give you seed, and then what you plant, I will multiply the seed. In other words, I'm not just giving you a multiplied harvest, one seed, a thousand corn kernels. No, I'm, you're planting one seed, I'm multiplying the seed. That's what that verse says. I will multiply the seed. You drop in one, I drop in five. You drop in one, I drop in a hundred. And now you have the harvest of a hundred seeds. You see, so God, he is supernatural in this, but it all comes back to that we purpose in our heart. What do we purpose in our heart? So let me give you an example of this. Now this example is not money. This example is fasting. I decided that I was going to fast and I was going to fast a long time, a couple of years ago. And uh, I'm going to fast an extended fast. And uh, it was this particular time was a 40-day fast. Well, I'm going to tell you, we got to around day 25, 30. I was obviously feeling it. I was eating no solid foods. Um, I was having different uh, beverages, mostly uh, juices, uh, you know, stuff like that, but no solid food. Well, day 20, I'd lost a lot of weight. I was feeling weak, uh, feeling beat up. I called my leadership team and I said, y'all got to pray for me. Now, what had I done? I had sown, I was deciding to be a sower of my food, right? Uh, to fast, to get closer to God, to draw me, to knock off the chains and get closer to God. And so all of a sudden, I decided I was going to be a sower. Well, about that time, I also decided I have the measure of faith. I'm going to sow faith. And so I sowed faith into my fast, and I sowed food into my fast. I purposed in my heart to be that. And I sowed faith that God would give me the strength that I need, right? And so I, at this point, I hadn't learned this lesson yet, but I called my leadership team. I said, listen, I have been struggling. I've been struggling. I am hurting, and I need some strength. I need, I need something. Well, they prayed. I woke up the next day. I hadn't had anything else to eat. I woke up the next day. I had so much energy. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was like, glory to God. Glory to God. Then it happened again a few weeks later, and I had learned this principle. So I didn't, I didn't call the leadership team. I just said, Lord, I receive strength in Jesus' name. And, and guess what? The next day I woke up this time, I did like three days worth of work in one morning. Now that was the one thing I had not been feeling like doing. I didn't feel like doing any work. And here I get up, I'm like buzzing all around my office, getting all this stuff done. What had happened? 
in my righteousness, grace is sitting there for me to draw on. Grace, an empowerment to deny ungodliness. If I'm denying ungodliness, then I'm being faithful. I'm giving myself. I'm giving my life. I'm denying self. I'm denying unfaithfulness. And right, so grace helps me to deny all ungodliness. I reach up into my righteousness by faith. I purpose in myself to give food and give God faith that I have. I, I purpose to, to give him what I have. God now grabs a hold of that grace, sends it down, and that grace empowers me to fast supernaturally. So now I'm, I'm sowing food supernaturally, not because I had it physically, not because I had it in my possession. I had it in my righteousness. And when I purposed in my heart to become a giver, now all of a sudden God gave me the grace to empower me to do it. It's that way with our finances. It's that way with our faith. It's that way in every area of life. We can even supernaturally put on a spiritual fruit. Do you feel like forgiven? No, but when you uh, deny uh, ungodliness and by righteousness, you say, yep, I don't feel like forgiving, but I know through Christ I can forgive. Lord, I, I purpose in my heart to sow forgiveness. All of a sudden, grace is released into our lives. All of a sudden, we can increase in the harvest of our righteousness of spiritual fruit, and we'll walk it out. So when, if you're tired of being in lack, God's tired of you being in lack too. We got to move into abundance, but we got to do it God's way. We're, you're not going to move into abundance doing it your way. I'm not going to do it doing it my way. I've got to do it God's way. So three steps, be content, think big, purpose your heart to be a sower. Man, I've given you some great stuff today that the Lord gave to me, and I hope that you receive it. Let me just pray for abundance right now. Father, let abundance be now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Lord, let lack be removed now and let everyone here in this, let them move to the places of abundance in every area of their life, in their finances, in their health, in spiritual fruit, in winning souls, making disciples, healing the sick, getting them filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, let them move in abundance in every area of life. Let them have life to the full till it overflows. And Lord, give them the grace and the strength to live it out and to walk it out in Jesus' name. Father, we just praise you in advance. With thanksgivings, we move into this places of abundance according to your word. We thank you for it. And just say this with me. Say, today is a new day. I will not lack any longer. I will be content no matter where I find myself. I will think bigger and I will purpose my heart to be a sower and I will move into abundance from this day forward and it'll be an abundance for every good work in the kingdom of God. Glory to God. Make sure to share this. Uh, look out for the podcast and the new website, whatsright.com, W-R-I-G-H-T, like Brian and Nicole Wright. And uh, look out for the podcast. Listen, I know that you got somebody that needs to hear this. Share this. We love you, and I hope you have a great, great day. I've enjoyed being with you, and uh, thanks for listening to me. Uh, I just counted an honor, and uh, Nicole and I love you so very much. Have a great day. Bye-bye.